Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Hey, it's great to see you guys. want to welcome you again to Blue Ridge Church. Welcome to our online campus as well. And if you're just joining us for the first time, we're in a series right now called Transform. And what we've been doing in this series is looking at things that God desires to transform in us, to change in us so that we become more like Christ. And we've kind of had a theme verse through this whole series, which is Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And it says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And ultimately, that's what we want, right? We want to know what God's will is. We want to do God's will. So if you were with us last week, we talked about our feelings and our emotions and how often what we're feeling is not always accurate. Sometimes our feelings don't tell us the truth. And if we go ahead and reflect those feelings, especially on the people around us, often it does damage and it, and it hurts another person. So we learned we've got to specifically identify what it is we're feeling, right? What triggered it, what brought it on, and then we challenge it. We, we ask ourselves, you know, is this the truth? Is, is this feeling correct? And is, if I express this feeling, is it going to get me to where I need to be in life or with this other person, and if not, we change it, we transform it. And if you want to uh, listen to that, it's still available on our website. By the way, happy Valentine's Day week. Yeah, those of you that are like, oh my gosh, I forgot you owe me one because I just reminded you, right? Wednesday, but what we're going to talk about today is going to help us on Valentine's Day. It's going to help us with our relationships because I want to look at how do we transform, how do we change how we approach our relationships and how we handle our relationships, especially if you're married. But if you're not married, don't tune me out because this will help you in your dating relationships. It'll help you with friends. It'll help you with all the different relationships that we have. So I want to go back and I want to look at the very beginning of the Bible. And I want to look specifically in the book of Genesis and I want to look at Adam and Eve. Because really, this is where all of our problems started. And we could point fingers all day long at Adam and Eve and, oh, they blew it, they messed up, they sinned. But the mistakes they made are the same mistakes we make each and every day. The mistakes they made in their relationships are the same relationships that we make, uh, relationship mistakes that we make today. So Genesis starts with the creation of the earth, right? A lot of you are familiar with this story, whether you grew up in church or not, but God basically creates a world that'll sustain us, and then he creates us. And he did that because God desires to love us. He created us to love us. He wants a family. He wants us to be a part of his family. He wants us to choose to follow him. So he creates Adam and he puts Adam in the Garden of Eden. And it's a perfect paradise. And everything that Adam would want is there, except God made this statement. 
And God said, it is not good for him to be alone. Those of you that are married, you could say that about your husband, right? It's not good for him to be alone indefinitely, right? Because he's just going to get into trouble. He's going to do something dumb, right? And so God creates Eve. And and this isn't how it went down. This is just kind of my speculation. It's definitely not biblical. But God, I think he looked at Adam and he's like, Surely I can do better than this, right? And then he created Eve. But God made Adam out of the dust of the ground. The Bible says he breathed life into his nostrils, and then he created Eve from a part of Adam, right? He took a rib out of Adam when he slept, and he created Eve. And I think that's so cool because it shows us several things. First of all, uh, we're companions. We're perfect companions, men and women. We're compatible you know, we're made of the same stuff. And I think the symbolism in that rib, you know, taken from Adam, put into Eve, we should be walking side by side through life. We should be making, especially those of you that are married, we should be making our marriages the best that they can possibly be by walking together through life. That's what Jesus talks about, the man and the woman, they become one. Now listen to Adam's response to creating Eve. Genesis chapter 2, verse 23. I love this. He says, at last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. I mean, Adam is pretty stoked about having a life partner and everything went good up until sin entered the world right? There was no sin in their relationship. Can you imagine that? There was no jealousy. There was no bitterness. There was no anger. There was no resentment. There was no uh, manipulation. There was no control issues or conflict. I mean, that would make a marriage pretty easy, right? If all those things were absent, some of you are still saying, nah, you don't know my husband, right? It'd still be hard. But they had a perfect relationship, the only couple to ever have a perfect relationship until sin entered the world. And we know that sin broke everything. Sin broke the relationship. And so we're going to look first at the things that went wrong in their relationship and then how we can prevent that in our relationships. Because the things they did are the same things that we do Today, and you probably know the story, Satan approaches Eve and says, you know, did did God really say that you can't eat any of the fruit from the trees in the garden? And of course, that's not what God said. He twisted God's word, and that's what Satan does all the time. He just twists a few of God's words to deceive us. And here's what God said, Genesis 2, 16 through 17. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit, of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. God basically said, you got free reign, you got free choice, except for this one tree. I want you to choose to do what's right. I want you to love me. I want you to follow me. I've got your best interest at heart. And of course, Satan goes on to tell Eve, God's lying to you. You're not going to die. Right? And she didn't die, but physical death and the punishment for our sin entered the world. And 
he says, you know, he just doesn't want you to eat this because you're going to become like him. You're going to become like God. Now, think about temptation in life. All of our temptations come down to this. We desire to be God, right? We desire to be God and to call the shots and to make our own decisions and not be held accountable. We want to be in control. We want to do our own thing. Every temptation comes down to that. And what's interesting is Satan does not tempt her to become like him, right? He never tempts us, you need to be like me. No, he tempts us to be like God and to be better than God. And he lies to us and says, you know better than God. You know better what's going to bring you joy and you know better what's going to bring you happiness. God's a buzzkill. God, you know, he doesn't get it. He's old-fashioned. He's not keeping up with the times. And then we fall for it. And that's exactly what happened to Eve. So let's look at verses 6 through 13 of chapter 3. The woman was convinced. She saw that the, that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called out to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Well, who told you that you were naked, the Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man's reply, and I love this, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. Right? He blamed her. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? Well, the serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. And then if you read on, God goes on to uh, have a few words with Satan, and then he tells them their punishment, starting in verse 16. Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth, and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. In other words, from here on out, your relationship's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy at all. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be dissension. There's going to be power struggles. And to the man, he said, since you listened to your wife and ate the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat. In other words, you were right there, buddy, and you did nothing. The ground is cursed because of you. All your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. Now, that story is full of spiritual truths, but it's also filled with relationship truths that we can see in their relationship of what they did wrong, and that's what I want to look at first. So if you're taking notes, learning number one, Fear will harm our relationships. 
fear anywhere in a relationship is going to hurt that relationship. What fear does, and that's what happened to Adam and Eve, they became fearful, they were hiding from God, it keeps us at a safe distance from a person in a relationship. We keep our guard up. We're afraid that if they know the real us, then they're not going to like us. So we kind of protect ourselves because of that fear, and we keep ourselves at a safe distance. Now, listen, any transformation we're talking about in this series, any change, it has to start with ownership, right? We have to own that this is a problem, or we have to own the fact that, yes, this is something that I do. So we have to be honest with ourselves, but we also have to be honest with God. And that's where Adam and Eve blew it, right? When God asked Adam why he hid, he said he was afraid. He was full of fear. Again, fear destroys our relationships because he was naked, and so he hid. So anytime there's fear, especially in a marriage or a dating relationship, often we're hiding. We're hiding something about ourselves because we're afraid to reveal it to the other person. So I just want you to stop for just a minute, and to yourself, I just want you to ask yourself a question, a personal question. What am I hiding from? What is it that I'm hiding from today? Or what is it that I'm pretending not to know so that I never have to deal with it? What is it that I'm pretending isn't a problem in my marriage? What am I pretending is not a problem in this friendship or this relationship? Or what am I pretending is not even a problem in my life? Because as long as we pretend it's not there, we're just going to hide from it. We're never going to face the truth. And see, God wants us to face our fears. Fear is not from God, but fear destroys our relationships. And he wants us, instead of running from our fear and hiding from our fear, he wants us to face our fear. When Adam was afraid he was naked, you know, you and I think about physical nakedness. But it was more than that. It was an emotional nakedness. There's a book called Getting Naked written by uh, Dr. Pat, Pat Williams, and he talks about this emotional nakedness. And it's a fear we have of being totally exposed to another human being, being totally vulnerable, right? Being authentic, being real, you know, being in a spot where we have nothing to hide from that other person. We fear that. So it's not just a physical nakedness, it's an emotional nakedness. One of our deepest needs in life is to be loved. And when we're in a relationship, that's what we desire. But if we're constantly carrying around fear, it's going to hinder us from receiving the love we need to receive in that relationship. Because what we're going to discover in a minute is is love and fear, they can't go together. There's no room for fear if there's love. But fear of being real in any relationship, it's going to hinder us getting the love we need in that relationship. So the first thing they did is is they let those fears run rampant in their relationship. And that's often what we do and we pretend. Here's something else. Shame will harm our relationships. Right after disobeying God, shame entered their relationship. The Scripture says they suddenly felt shame for their nakedness. Again, our fears are often rooted or often based in shame. 
And so we carry around this shame because of something we've said, something we've done, someplace we've been, and we're constantly trying to hide that. We're constantly trying to cover that up so the other person never figures it out. We feel like, well, I'm going to be totally embarrassed if they ever figure this part of my life out. Again, that's shame is causing us to do that. And we cover it up because we don't want to be embarrassed. If, have you ever done anything in your life or not done something in your life because you were afraid you were going to be embarrassed if you did it? All the time, right? Think back to when you were a kid. You know, we, we constantly didn't do things, or if we didn't do them well, we'd make excuses so we weren't embarrassed. When other people would make fun of us. I, I think about those uh, presidential physical fitness tests, and I'm probably dating myself because I don't even know if they do those things anymore. But you remember when you were an elementary student or in middle school, you had to do like the, the shuffle run where you'd run and pick up an eraser and come back and you'd run further and get an eraser or the 600 pull-ups, push-ups, the rope thing. I could never do the rope pull, the rope climb. At best, I may be able to get up, you know, a quarter of the way. And then I come back down, I make an excuse. Oh, I pulled a muscle. Or I didn't have a good grip on the rope. Or I, I was up late last night and I didn't get a lot of sleep because I didn't want to be embarrassed in front of my friends. And we do that all the time to cover up whatever shame we have. Shame makes us self-conscious. It makes us nervous. And we never fully give that shame to the Lord. See, Jesus paid for that. All those dumb things, all those sinful things, all those bad things we did, the Lord paid for that. But we tend to just carry that through in our lives without accepting his forgiveness, and then we try to hide it from the people that we love the most. People cover their shame with all kinds of things. You know, some people use humor to cover their shame. Others, they'll, they'll put on a facade every day before they go out of the house, and they'll pretend their life is great and their life is fine. Other, others of us, we try to cover our shame maybe with things, with materialism. You know, if I drive the right car, live in the right house or neighborhood or have the right job, then maybe people won't see my shame. But fear and shame, they hurt our relationships. And we're constantly carrying them, and we're constantly hiding that stuff. Ultimately, here's what we do. Learning number three in our relationships, we cover up our insecurities. We're covering up our shame. We're covering up our fear. All these things that make us insecure, we try to cover them up. Great way that people cover up today is is, uh, you know, Adam and Eve covered up with fig leaves. We cover up with social media, right? It's a great way to hide what's really going on in our life because you look at people's social media and, and they don't ever post the bad stuff. They don't post, you know, my wife and I got in a knockdown drag out tonight. You know, no, they'll take a nice picture of whatever they ate for dinner. It's a great way to cover our insecurities. We fake it in life to cover insecurities. And that's what Adam and Eve did. They, they hid from God. They were trying to cover their insecurities. They hid from God in the trees because they were ashamed. Anytime we're afraid of anything in life or trying to cover something up, we're going to spend a lot of time hiding and not being the real us. And not only does that cause a disconnect with maybe a spouse or a friend, but it causes a disconnect from God. Sometimes we get so ashamed of ourselves, we fear God and we hide from Him as well. 
Again, forgetting why Christ came to this earth and the things that he paid for, we still carry that stuff. God doesn't expect us to be perfect. You can just rest in knowing that. Now, he does expect us to be honest, though, and to face these things and do away with them once and for all, to finally accept what Christ truly did for us in paying for everything. What else did Adam and Eve do in their relationship that we can try to avoid in our eyes? Well, they had, in ours, they had fear, they had shame, they tried to cover up their insecurities, they, they distanced themselves from God, which only made it worse, uh, and then they started blaming each other, right? They feared God's punishment because they had disobeyed and they had let God down, and so they looked for an out, and they started blaming somebody else. And we do this all the time in our relationships. When we feel somebody's upset with us, wife doesn't agree with me, you know, my husband's upset with me, we cast blame. We point fingers. Well, this wouldn't have happened if you wouldn't have done that. Or I'd have never said this if you wouldn't have said that. Well, this is your fault, and I don't need to take responsibility for this. In this stage of our relationships, when we fear disapproval, we start blaming and attacking somebody else. When God asked Adam if he had eaten what he told him not to eat, I mean, he blamed Eve. And really, ultimately, who was he blaming? He was blaming God. Well, if you wouldn't have given me this woman, this never would have happened. Just You could almost hear that in a relationship argument we've had with somebody we love. And then Eve did no better. She didn't take responsibility. She blamed it on Satan. Again, we get defensive, we start defending ourselves, and we start blaming other people. Here's something else, learning number four. In our relationships, we fear losing control. Cover those insecurities, hide those fears, hide the shame, blame somebody else, but we fear losing control. We see in the story that Adam and Eve that's what they feared, losing control. When God talked to them about that, you know, wanting to control each other. And that's common in relationships today. Well, I want to be in control. I want to be in control. We want to call the shots. We want to make the decisions. We want to be the one that's happy. Well, you're not making me happy. We want to be satisfied. And if we feel ever in a relationship we're losing control, you know what we do? We start to get more control. We try to gain more control. So the more out of control we feel, the more controlling we become. We start defending and we start demanding and we start, you know, making ultimatums. Now, if you're a real secure person, maybe you don't always have to be in control in your, in your marriage or your relationship, you know. But it, most of us are pretty insecure at the core. And when we have insecurities... In, in life, we try to get our way. We try to get our way all the time. So we fight for our way in a relationship. We push for our way. We control for our way. Again, the more out of control we're feeling in that relationship, the more control we're going to try to grab. Here, here's what God's words were in verse 16 of that chapter 3. And you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. And this is really where all the misunderstanding between women and men started. 
This is where all the confusion and the conflict and the, the power plays and the jockeying for position and who's right and who's wrong, this is where it all started. And if you think about controlling a relationship, who wants to be in a relationship where one person's controlling everything? That's not the way we were designed. Remember the rib, right? If, if you're dating somebody or if you're married to somebody, if we're not walking side to side, if we're not cooperating with each other, if we're not trying to make the relationship better and grow it the way Jesus said, the two will become one flesh, then we're working against each other. Make no mistake, if we're not walking in complete harmony side by side, we're working against each other. So not one person doesn't get all the control. So to have a great relationship, got to get rid of our fears. We got to get rid of our shame. We got to quit trying to cover and hide our insecurities. We got to quit worrying that God disapproves of us or our spouse disapproves of us. We got to quit trying to gain control and authority over the other person. So what's the answer? Now that I pointed out all these things we do and Adam and Eve did, what's the answer? How do we transform how we approach our relationships? And the answer is love. And now that sounds like a typical church answer, love. But it's not just any love. Look at learning number five. In all relationships, we have to learn to live in God's love. There's a big difference in our love and God's love. 1 John 4.18 says, there is no fear in love. Remember, all these issues with Adam and Eve, they, the, the initial thing that started was their fear, right? Fear what God was going to do and all these fears going on. This verse says there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. There is no room for fear if we're full of God's love. Anywhere God's love is, there's not going to be fear. Fear is not from God. So we shouldn't fear losing control or fear being exposed or fear that somebody's going to disapprove us if we're full of God's love. So in our earthly relationships, the first step is to fix ourselves. We have to become confident in God's love and assured of God's love and assured of what God did for us by sending his son and what Christ paid for. Because if we're full of God's love, there's no room for fear in our lives, that fear that destroys our relationships. That verse says perfect love, which is God's love, expels fear. It drives out fear. Fear destroys our relationships. We got to get rid of the fear. So we invite God's full love into our heart. There's no place for fear to hide. And we know that starts with the relationship with Jesus. And then we learn to live in God's love every day. To accept God's love instead of doubting that it comes and goes. That's the ultimate thing that God wants us to understand is that he loves us. Now, notice something else that verse said. It said, uh, fear has to do with punishment. We don't like being punished, do we? We don't like the consequences 
that come with punishment or, or when we do something wrong, right? So think about your life and how many times you, you've lied or you've even thought about lying because you were afraid of the consequences that were coming if you told the truth, especially when you were a kid. Was I the only mischievous, devious kid in the room? Probably not. Right, but you think about it, you didn't want to tell the truth because you were afraid of the consequences that are coming. I'm going to get a, a whipping, or I'm going to get sent to my room, or I'm going to get grounded, whatever. We did it all the time. We worried about telling the truth because of the consequences that were coming. That's where Adam and Eve were. Now, fast forward to when you are an adult, and how many times have we been afraid of just being ourselves or being emotionally exposed because we were worried about the consequences of other people not liking us or other people not accepting us. The thought of punishment or or the thought of negative consequences, it makes us fearful. Again, fear is at the root of all of this. So we got to get rid of of the fear. So if the answer to getting rid of the fear and truly filling our lives with God's love and living in God's love, how do we do that? And I think every day we have to remind ourselves that God loves us. Every single day we should get up and say, God, I know you love me. John 11, 13 through, or Job 11, 13 through 15 says this, if only you would prepare your heart and lift up your hands to him in prayer. Get rid of your sins and leave all iniquity behind you. Then your face will brighten with innocence. You will be strong and what? Free of fear. So we have to surrender our heart to Christ first and foremost. Be filled with his love. That means we turn from our sin, we repent of it, we leave our past behind, and we ask him to lead our lives. And he will fill us with his love. And we should also remember how much he loves us. God loves us, and I I talk about this a lot, he loves us unconditionally. That means we cannot make God stop loving us. God can't not love us. He just loves us. It's who he is. It's his nature. Doesn't matter what you've done today, yesterday, what happened last night, last week, what's going to happen in a month from now, God is still going to love you unconditionally. Some of you, that's all you needed to hear today. That's why God had you tune in or or, or show up to tell you, I love you unconditionally. And you can count on this. God's love is consistent. He can't stop loving you. So that's the first thing we need to remind ourselves every day. God loves me. And we fill ourselves with that love. And then we use that for motivation. And look at the next verse, John 15 12. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. So we fill ourselves with God's love. It gets rid of that fear that causes all of that baggage in our relationships. And then we use God's love to love other people. The thank you, if you will, to God. God, because you love me and you call me to love others, I'm going to love others well. We fill ourselves with God's love in the morning and we remind ourselves all through the day that he loves us, 
and we spread that love to the people closest to us. Then fear and shame and insecurities and control issues and disapproval, all that stuff doesn't stand a chance in our relationships. But the problem is we doubt God's love, constantly doubt God's love. We doubt God's forgiveness through Christ. That's why we carry that shame and that fear and that guilt around. We always get into trouble when we doubt God's love. So look at Romans 8.1. So now there is no condemnation, no punishment for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So how do we remember every day the way God loves us so that we can love others, so that we can keep the, the shame and the fear out of our relationships and all those things that destroy our relationships? Get up every morning and say, God, I'm going to remind myself right now how much you love me, that I'm completely forgiven, that I'm completely accepted, that I'm unconditionally loved, that I don't have to carry shame through this life. I don't have to live in my past. God, I'm reminding myself today that you love me. I'm telling you, if we can do that and reflect on that all throughout the day, it gives us the desire to love other people more. And what a great time to talk about this because you have an opportunity to practice this today. Because I guarantee you, a lot of you have plans this afternoon. There's something big going on today. I don't know exactly what it is, but I bet you you've got some festivities some of you are going to. What a great time to practice what we've learned, not just with your girlfriend or boyfriend or husband or wife, but with the people God places around you. Fill yourself with God's love. Realize you are totally loved and totally forgiven when you have Christ in your life. You don't have to carry shame and fear and all those things we try to hide from. And we're truly free to love others. That's what God wants us to get. I love you, and because I love you, I want you to love other people. If we can replace all those things we talked about with God's love, I'm telling you, we will revolutionize. We will transform our relationships. Let's pray together. God, first of all, thank you so much that you love us. It is hard for us to understand, but you love us so much you sent Jesus to this earth to pay for all that stuff we continue to try to cover up and hide from. All those insecurities, all those fears, all that shame, Lord, help us to remember we don't have to carry that when we have you. We're totally forgiven. Maybe you're at home or here today, and as we're praying, you, you've never had a relationship with Jesus. You're still hiding in the trees, hiding from God, running from God. I hope you know, after looking at creation in the very beginning, that God desires to love you. That's why he created you. But he gives you a choice. And the choice is you can accept him or reject him. See, we're made right with God because of Jesus and what he did. And if you've never invited Christ into your life, let me encourage you, open your heart to him. Repent of your sin. He paid for it. He's going to forgive you. And then ask him to lead your life. God, I, I pray 
every person that's even considering a relationship with you, Jesus, that you would reveal yourself to them in a way that they will know that it's you. And like so many of us, they'll surrender their lives to you. Jesus, thank you for forgiving us. Lord, help us to forgive ourselves so that we can forgive others that are around us. Help us to remember today and each day after this how much you truly love us. And we love you. Help us to remember that love you've given us you want us to pass on. Lord, change our relationships. Help us to have relationships that other people desire. In Christ's name, amen. Just a couple of quick things. First of all, if you did uh, say yes to Jesus today, would you do me a favor and just fill out that connection card on that church center app? Or you can stop by the hub out in the lobby and just tell them and give them your name. Because I'm not going to show up at your house. I want to send some stuff in the mail that will help you on your faith journey. Best decision you will ever make in your life. Um, So if you could do that, that would be great. If you're worshiping through generosity, you can do that online. Thank you for your faithfulness uh, to what God's doing here at this church. And group signups are going on right now. So if you're not in a group and you want to be in a group or you want to check out those groups, I encourage you to go to our website. You can also check out the uh, volunteer opportunities we always have at this church. I think it's smart when we connect at a smaller level as the church continues to grow on Sundays. But I hope you have a terrific week. We'll finish up this series next week, so I encourage you, grab a friend, bring them with you, and we'll, we'll finish up this series. But you guys have a great afternoon, a great evening. God bless you.